Living Stones is our discipleship pathway we use to bring people to faith, to grow people in the faith and their life, and how we raise up new leaders. 1 Peter 2.5 You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are exploring the second zone of discipleship, the courtyard, where a person learns to live reconciled with God. There are three steps in this area, sacraments, spiritual disciplines, and stewardship. Even though these three are God and me focused, they still affect my relationships with others. Let's look at the third step, stewardship, which is illustrated by Joseph. Short of the transforming blood of Jesus, how I handle my resources may be the biggest way to positively impact my life, my family, my community, and my world. Money will either imprison me or allow me freedom. And it's not always about the amount of money I have. There is a minimum amount of money or resources that a person needs to survive. But increasing beyond the minimum does not ensure freedom. I heard a story recently of a man who left his corporate job and his income dropped by 90%, down to $24,000 a year. But it's not like he had thousands of dollars saved up in the bank to live on because the more money he made the more money he spent. So when he had his corporate job, he was always in bondage to debt. When his income dropped, he realized every dollar was important. He had to learn to use his resources wisely. And he was happier because what he used or gave his resources for was now always important and meaningful instead of frivolous or indebted. I'm not going to put out an idea that God wants us to live poor in order to be obedient or happy. But instead, the promise that if I rightly steward God's gifts, I am blessed. If I can learn to manage what I have, I can live happy, happy, contented, and generously with less or more. Joseph's blessing is in Genesis 20, or excuse me, 49, 22 through 26. Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine beside a spring, Its branches climb over the wall. The archers attacked him, shot at him, and were hostile toward him. Yet his bow remained steady and his strong arms made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. By the name of the shepherd, the rock of Israel. By the God of your father who helps you. And by the Almighty who blesses you with the blessings of heavens above. Blessings of the deep that lies below and blessings of the breasts and of the womb. The blessings of your father excel the blessings of my ancestors and the bounty of the ancient hills. May they rest on the head of Joseph, on the brow of the prince of his brothers. As Jacob describes Joseph as growing, bountiful, fruitful vine, a vine so full of life it extends beyond the garden, climbing over the wall, which means others can access his fruit. Joseph grows also had challenges. He's attacked historically by his own brothers as well as others. But Joseph remains strong because of the strength of his God, who blesses him with spiritual blessings, earthly blessings, which both continue beyond his own lifetime, extending to his descendants. Jacob describes an increasing generational wealth that is not just financial and that brings honor to Joseph. 
Joseph's blessing is not prophetic, but a reflection on the life Joseph has already lived as a good steward of the gifts God has given. Some of the gifts God gives to me to manage things, but it's never about taking care of things. Let's look at three gifts that God gave to Joseph and that God gives to us to manage well. First, care of money. Joseph worked as the steward of Potiphar's house. He took care of Potiphar's money so well. Genesis 39.6 says that he, Potiphar, left all that he owned under Joseph's authority. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. When Potiphar came home, if dinner was ready, he knew everything else in his entire household was good. And not just good, but improving. <clears throat> the Lord was with Joseph in Potiphar's house, which meant that his work was blessed. Genesis 39.5 From the time that he put him in charge of his household, all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house because of Joseph. The Lord's blessing was on all that he owned in his house and in his fields. When Joseph wisely used resources, even those of a false god-worshipping Egyptian, those were blessed with increase. Now I realize not everyone was taught responsibility in the same way I was, but this is how my parents taught me. If I had something, I needed to take care of it. I didn't grow up poor, but we weren't rich either. <clears throat> my parents, if my parents gave me something or I bought it with my own money that I had earned, I had to take care of it because if I broke it or lost it, I probably wouldn't get another. As much as I needed to take care of my own things, I was also taught I had to be especially responsible if I borrowed someone else's things. People either loan out things that they don't care about or loan out things that they do care about to people that they trust. For, for me, if someone borrows a yard tool, I prefer that it not be left out in the yard to get stolen, rusty, or broken. And I would prefer to get it back in the condition I lent it out. But it's a yard tool. I'm not going to sweat it. If I loan someone my car, I want to know that person has a decent driving record. I don't want my car crashed, abused, ticketed, or towed. I can't just afford to go buy a new car like I could go buy a new spade for the yard. As a teenager, my dad let me borrow his Cadillac, especially if I was going on a date. If I didn't drive my own car safely not getting any tickets or into wrecks, my dad probably wouldn't have let me borrow his Cadillac. He also gave me these instructions. In order to borrow the Cadillac, I had to wash it and return it filled up with gas, even if he loaned it to me on empty. The idea is that I should not only take care of my own stuff, but I should also take care of other people's things, when they, especially when they are being used for my benefit. This is how Joseph managed his master's money and affairs. Although it wasn't his house, or his money, or his land, as Joseph took good care of the wealth of Potiphar, Potiphar could take good care of everyone in his household. I should have that same attitude with money and possessions, because even though the bank account has my name on it, it contains my master's money. My stewardship of money should be as Jesus described in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, 14-30. God gives me money to use and increase, not to hoard. If I'm faithful with little, God will trust me to be faithful with more. Faithfulness does not just include making sound financial investments,
but also cultivating a spirit of generosity. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the full tenth into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord of armies. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. And in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7, the point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. Having money as a goal or as a master of my life is not stewardship. That's greed or worry. Greed is a disqualification for leadership, according to Titus 1, 7, and 8. Worry, according to Jesus, in Matthew 6, 23-33, is a sign of distrust of God's care and not seeking God's kingdom first. Stewardship of money is not having the most money, because stewardship is never about things. Stewardship of money is about having the most money to freely give. Greedy is never blessed, only giving, and giving is about helping people. This is one of those areas where God's kingdom feels upside down compared to our culture, where we tend to think, if I just had enough money, then I'd be free. But even some people who are not Christians have figured out that generosity is a mark of freedom. Elon Musk is worth $163 billion and is free to fly into outer space in order to try and make more money. Bill Gates is worth $131 billion and is free to eradicate polio from the face of the earth. Which of these two men appear to be more free from being mastered by money? My scale of resources does not compare to either of those men. But if I am free to give away money that I claim is not mine but is God's anyway, then I'm free. Disciples rightly steward God's gift of money. Money is not the only resource God calls me to steward. Money is a resource that can be grown. Other resources are more precious because they are always limited. Joseph also shows us care of time. Even with billions of dollars, neither Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, nor Jeff Bezos can buy more minutes in a day. We all don't have the same lifespan, but every day we each get one day. Joseph, the good and faithful steward, had a life full of challenges. Life is going well at Potiphar's house, and then Joseph is falsely accused of rape. This is big trouble. Head steward of the household or not, Joseph is still a slave and a foreigner, and his accuser is Potiphar's wife, who has Joseph's clothes in her hand. Joseph's only defense is his good character, and that's good enough to keep him from death, but he's still sent to prison. What does a person do when they are falsely sent to prison? I think a person either mopes in defeat or spends time trying to prove their innocence and get released. But here's what Joseph does in prison, Genesis 39, 21-23. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him. He granted him favor with the prison warden. The warden put all the prisoners who were in the prison under Joseph's authority, and he was responsible for everything that was done there. The warden did not bother with anything under Joseph's authority, because the Lord was with him. 
and the Lord made everything that he did successful. Joseph uses his time to make the prison better. He stewards his time for the use of the prison guard and becomes the steward of the prison while he's still a prisoner. He's not just a trustee in charge of library, laundry, or mopping floors. Joseph is running the prison for the guards. Because the Lord is blessing him, it seems that prison life, although bad for everyone involved, is better for everyone, prisoner or guard, while Joseph is in charge. Joseph is not using his time selfishly, but profitably. On April 10th, 1963, Circuit Judge W.A. Jenkins Jr. issued a blanket injunction against, quote, parading, demonstrating, boycotting, trespassing, and picketing, end quote. This injunction was targeted at the civil rights movement led by Martin Luther King Jr. They disobeyed that injunction, and on April 12th, King and two others were arrested. King recounted later that he was treated harshly in the Birmingham jail, but at some point, Someone smuggled in a newspaper from April 12th, which contained a statement against King and his methods called A Call for Unity, written by eight white Alabama clergy. Reading this letter provoked King to write a response. At first, the only paper he had to write on was the margins of the newspaper that had the call for unity in it. King's letter was continued on scraps of writing paper supplied by a friendly black trustee and finally concluded on a pad his attorneys were eventually permitted to leave him. We now know that writing begun on scraps of paper as King's letter from a Birmingham jail. Ephesians 5:15 and 16 says, Pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. The context of those verses are life choices people make every day to live like Jesus or live in the darkness of the world. Will I walk in love and generosity or sexual immorality and greed? Will I do what is pleasing to God or live in shame? Will I fill my mouth with wine or with words of encouragement? I can't sit waiting to get bailed out of a situation or coast in a good situation. I need to find the work God has for me to do in any situation. Now, this doesn't mean I never take a break from work. Sabbath rest is a good use of time, but not all of life is a vacation. How I steward my time relates directly back to the ability to live free from money. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11 says, Go to the ant, You slacker, observe its ways and become wise. Without a leader, administrator, or ruler, it prepares its provisions in summer. It gathers food during the harvest. How long will you stay in bed, slacker, you slacker, when you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to rest, and your poverty will come like a robber, your need like a bandit. He's saying if an ant knows how to do time management, how much more should a human being But stewardship is not about things. I think God is less likely to ask me, how much did I get done? But instead, are the things that I took time to do worthy? How did my actions benefit others and further the kingdom of God? For me, hospital visits are not my favorite part of being a pastor, because I would rather people not have to be in the hospital. 
I wish you all a long, healthy life, and when the Lord calls us home, that we go peacefully during our sleep in our own beds or recliners. But sometimes we get sick and have to go to the hospital. Now, I like hospital visitation better when I go to the hospital and hear the patient I'm there to visit talking to the staff about their relationship with Jesus. Having God manage my time turns the jail or hospital or yard work or even rest time into profitable ministry, into developing godliness, into kingdom work. Disciples rightly steward God's gift of time. Joseph was a steward of money and time, but there is one last thing more valuable than both of these. The most important thing created by God is people. Let's look at care of people. Um, Though all the stewardship Joseph does of money and time, or through all the stewardship that Joseph does of money and time, Joseph is always caring for people. We see the general benefits to Potiphar's household and the jail, but look at, let's look at some specific people. Joseph's relationship with God affected his behavior. In Genesis 39, 7 and 8, Joseph said he cannot sleep with Potiphar's wife because that would be sin against God. His refusal is not only protecting himself, but also, as much as he is able, protecting the marriage of Potiphar. In jail and the king's court, Genesis 40 and 41, Joseph interprets the dreams of the baker, the cupbearer, and the pharaoh of Egypt. Not everyone's dreams bode well. The cupbearer will return to the pharaoh's service. The baker will be executed. Pharaoh dreams of seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. Joseph interprets these dreams for others because, quote, interpretations belong to God. And God sometimes wants to tell people what they are to do. Pharaoh recognized the spirit of God in Joseph and put him in charge of all of Egypt. Now Joseph cares for all the people of a nation. But Joseph also cares for his own family. Genesis 43, 20 through 23 is when Joseph's brothers come back to Egypt for the second time to buy food. It says this, They said, My Lord, we really did come down here the first time only to buy food. When we came to the place where we lodged for the night and opened our bags of grain, each one's silver was at the top of his bag. It was the full amount of our silver, and we have brought it back with us. We have brought additional silver with us to buy food. We don't know who put our silver in the bags. Then the steward said, May you be well. Don't be afraid. Your God and the God of your father must have put your treasure in your bags. I received your silver. Then he brought out Simeon to them. <clears throat> when the brothers bought food the first time and arrived back home, they found their payment money was inside their food sacks. When they returned to Egypt the second time, they say, Hey, we didn't intend to steal last time. Somebody messed up and gave us our money back. Here's the money from our last purchase as well as money to pay for what we need now. Joseph's steward replies, You don't owe any money. Your bill is paid. Now, Joseph is not a thief, so who paid for the food his brothers took? Joseph had to be the person who paid. At the time, Joseph is not even sure if his brothers are repentant or if Benjamin is alive, but he's still going to make sure his family has food. Sometimes caring for people means caring for those who have not cared for me. That's what Jesus did.
Eventually, at the command of Pharaoh, Joseph brings his whole family to Egypt so they can thrive. But even then, he looks out for their future welfare, not just financially, but spiritually. Joseph promises his father that he will bury him back in the promised land. Then, at his own death, Joseph declares that he wants to be taken back to the promised land to be buried. Egypt was a temporary means of caring for God's family's physical needs. But Joseph knew that ultimately their trust was in God's promise, God's covenant to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that they would inherit the promised land, and through them all nations would be blessed. For our church, over the past few years, we put considerable money into our facility. I hope everyone realizes that any time or money that we put into the facility is to better take care of people. People need a safe place to worship, a safe place to donate blood, a safe place to learn. People, most of all, need to know that God wants to have a relationship with them and has made a way for that to happen through the person and work of Jesus. People need to know that the family of God that God is now building is not just the descendants of Abraham and that here we're working to build a multi-generational and multi-ethnic church that brings life to our community because that reflects the description of God's people in the kingdom. The qualifications for a church leader really encapsulate what we are striving for. In 1 Timothy 3, uh, 2 through 5, An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, there's the generosity. Able to teach. Not an excessive drinker. There's the time management and choice management. Not a bully, but gentle. Not quarrelsome, not greedy. There's the generosity again. He must manage his own household competently and have his children under control with all dignity. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? Notice in the end, Paul ties the competent household management ultimately to people in uh, God's household. How does this potential church leader take care of their own children? We'll show how we will take care of God's children. Not everyone has their own children, and for some of you, you have grown children or even children with their own grandchildren. The broader question that applies to everyone is, who am I investing in? Who am I caring for, especially in terms of their spiritual life? Who is your one not yet Christian you are doing life with? We do life with these people to steward their spiritual journey towards Jesus. Jesus calls me to also steward the foreigner and the poor. A local church needs money to grow. I need to give my offerings. But a local church also needs people to give their time. People do the work of ministry. But in the end, what a church needs to grow is people investing in other people that need to come to know and grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus commanded us to go make and teach disciples, not to go and build buildings. Discipling is stewarding God's gift of people. <clears throat> what I invest in my money shows what I love. How I spend my time shows how I love. And investing in people shows that I love. I've touched on this briefly, but Jesus is the ultimate good steward. Jesus didn't have much money, but he provided food and healing for many. 
Jesus used his time to do what he saw the Father doing. Jesus gave his very life to save people. For us, stewardship is learned. Joseph didn't get it all right at first. His dad gave him an expensive coat, and Joseph wore it everywhere, even when he should have been wearing work clothes. God gave him dreams of the future, and he used them to brag about how powerful he was going to be. If Joseph had been using his authority to take care of his brothers when he was young, maybe they wouldn't have wanted to kill him. But Joseph learned and became fruitful. We also can learn to manage God's gifts of money, time, and people for his glory. A disciple in living stones obtains a hematite stone upon learning stewardship. Our prayer today is taken from Psalm 78. God gave a command to the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven. He rained manna for them to eat. People ate the bread of angels. He sent them an abundant supply of food. He made the east wind blow in the skies and drove the south wind by his might. He rained meat on them like dust and winged birds like the sand of the seas. He made them fall in the camp all around the tents. The people ate and were completely satisfied, for he gave them what they craved. Lord, as the Israelites had to manage the gifts that you gave them daily, may we manage the gifts that you give us daily. Not complaining of what we do not have, but using wisely the blessings from heaven that you provide. Let us not be wasteful of anything, even when taking proper rest. May the making of disciples and the building of your kingdom be our work, with love and generosity as our means, so that your family will grow and be fruitful. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, the faithful Son. Amen. Go forth to live as disciples, serving God with your whole being, knowing that you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do great exploits in God's name.